Hello and welcome to the next edition of the D4H live streaming series. Um, I'm Robin, I'm the founder of D4H and today I'm delighted to uh, welcome on to our live stream Tom Groff from the Rhode Island Bomb Squad. Now just before we get started, just to cover off this live streaming session is going to be uh, interviewing and just and hearing about emergency response teams from all over the world, from all different walks of life, uh, from, from safety to crisis and industrial sites and how they protect them. This is going out live on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter. And afterwards, it's featured on our podcast, the D4H podcast, Bravo Zulu, which you can subscribe to on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, check that out as well. If you are watching us live, get typing in the comment box. I can see a couple of hellos coming in already. Um, and uh, welcome to everyone, Charlotte, Maria, Amy, I see all, all the comments coming in. So do ask comments. Uh, Tom's gonna join us and be able to answer them. Uh, I'll put them to him as we go through this. So uh, welcoming Tom on here. Let's see if I can bring you in. Hiya, Tom. Hey, Robin, how are you? Thanks for joining us. We're going to discuss today really what life in a bomb squad is like, your kind of specialist equipment, the specialist training you do, the preparation you do, and the types of incidents you encounter. I think everyone has this, I mean, when I hear bomb squad, I think of the movies, right? And it's this, it's this glamorous, glorious thing of the bomb squad and all the kit looks like an astronaut. What? What's what's the reality of a bomb squad? What do you actually do day to day? Nothing like on the hurt locker <laughs> at all. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's like any other uh, public safety organization. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's plenty of things that we have to attend to that don't involve going out the door and racing into some situation. You know, sure. To save the day. Um. So, you know, our day-to-day -day work, um, you know, obviously it focuses on our readiness, right? The maintenance operations and training operations and all that, that's, you know, that's the heavy lift all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we, we have emergency operations, which, which kind of encompasses uh, what the, the normal suspicious packages or, or IED response, um, tactical responses to assist other tactical teams um you know we we serve as the only bomb squad in the state we serve 120 public safety agencies yeah um and you know we're the only game in town to handle the types of things that we handle and, and um, what are those things so it's a suspicious package um it's an entry forced entry and what kind of what kind of things are they what are those tasks yeah so you know it, it could be um you know, for instance, a suitcase in front of the attorney general's office mm -hmm. uh, prior to them opening up in the morning, um, which actually had the suspect on camera, placing it there and waving at the camera and, you know, making a few hand gestures. <laughs> um, you know, so, you know, we had to resolve that using yeah. robotics and um, ex portable x-ray systems and the green bomb suit that everybody's familiar with. <laughs> um, you know, we have to go to resolve that. Uh, you know, with tactical teams, um, you know, a lot of our services revolve around, uh, again, using robotics, because obviously being remote keeps people safer. Yeah. Um, explosive breaching operations, if that's required. Mm 
um, you know, basically taking the door off the hinges, uh, using a small amount of explosives and getting the team in. Um, and tactical bomb technician operations, which is, which is a special certification under the FBI. Um, our, our mission there is to get whatever tactical team it is to, through, and off the X, as we say. Um, that could include a hostage rescue operation or something like that. Say that again. Two through and off the X. Was that the phrase? Yeah. What's yep. the, can you explain that? So, you know, uh, let's say, you know, you have a barricaded suspect or somebody holding a hostage. Yeah. Um, well, you know, if they in place booby traps of some type, trying to keep the teams from getting to them, um, our job in that case would be to get, take those booby traps out of play, make okay. it so the team can get by them. Um, it wouldn't be rendered safe necessarily, but it's safe enough to get the team past it, get to their objective. Um, and, you know, that objective could be a hostage that has an explosive device on them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, which you know, we need to resolve that explosive device, and then get the team back out of that building or out of that area safely. Um, you know, kind of a pathfinder mission. Sure. And again, that's you know, that's one of those things that is you know, low occurrence but high impact. You know, it's rare anything like that would happen, but yeah. if it does, we have to be able to deal with it. And fast. And yeah. when you when you get tasked, then. Uh, you deploy your equipment, so you've you've your are they they're called bomb techs. Is that the right? Phrase? Yes. Yeah, yep. bomb so your your bomb techs travel to the to the scene on a large scale incident like that. Uh, you you um, what's your reporting structure look like? There'll be there's always two of you or three of you or how does it how does it work? Yeah. So we we all every bomb squad in the country um, operates under uh, the FBI's framework. Uh, mm-hmm. The FBI and the National Bomb Squad Commanders Advisory Board come up with with standards. Yep. Um, so, which is certainly helpful that every bomb squad goes to the same school. We operate under the same standards. Um, so you have to have at least two bomb technicians on every call, which is the bare minimum. Yep. Um, you know the most basic, you know, recovery of a piece of military ordnance that was found in somebody's attic when the you know, grandfather passed away, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but more complex units and more bomb technicians you need to have there. Um, and there's still gonna be a fairly small number compared to a, a regular public safety response, whereas um, you know, in the fire service or whatever, I mean, it could be, there could be dozens of personnel. Mm-hmm. We're never gonna have that. Yeah. You know, that's, just, that's just not the nature of what we do. Um, you know, we're very focused on the, in those areas that we're addressing. Um, so it, it's, you know, it's different than other public safety, mm-hmm. you know, in some ways, but in other ways, you know, and, and as always, it's just a job. So, so what are your roles when you're there? You've, you've somebody making an entry or somebody going downrange or, and then what's the other person doing? Are they geared up as well? Or are they managing the scene or what's, what's yeah, the, you know, there's obviously this, there's scene management. Um, the biggest part of that is having a second bomb tech to kind of check you. Okay. You know, if you're the one going downrange, it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of that before the visor goes down on the helmet, there's mm-hmm. a lot of, okay, so we agree that you're going to go down, you're going to accomplish this one task or whatever it is, and mm-hmm. you're coming back. Right? Right. Because, you know, we call the helmet the dome of ignorance, because when that thing seals up, it's just a lot of times that you just, you know, you, you, you forget some things. 
Um, so just making sure that, you know, we're doing things correctly, doing it the right way, the safest way, mm -hmm. uh, making reasonable decisions. That's why you always need at least that second contact there. Sure. Even just to put the suit on, you need two people. What What are your comms like in the suit when you? Uh, essentially nothing. Um, we have there's an external speaker on our on our newest suits. Mm -hmm. um, there's an external speaker, so you're not yelling through the face piece. Yeah. But um, and and we do have some um, radio communications we can put on the suit. We rarely do it, uh, just because it, you know RF energy concerns and things like that when you're down on on a device. Um, so, so how, how would how would they communicate downrange to you if they wanted you to return or do something? Uh, sometimes we'll, we could use uh, the robot, the speaker's external speaker on a robot that's also okay. downrange. Okay. Um, you know, it's just kind of a PA speaker that you can hear inside the suit because you do have amplified um, hearing. Gotcha. Um, and yeah, a lot of times it's just hand signals, and also the taskings are are, are pretty deliberate. Going to go down you're going to place this disruption tool on that device and you're coming back okay you know you're not down there doing multiple tasks or you're going to go down take an x-ray and then you're coming back it's not like the movie then you're not just down there <laughs> yeah just go take care of it and when it's all set you know give us a bell we'll you know we'll come on down so you you mentioned there robots and sort of yeah. the machinery you have as well you've got i've seen you've lots of different sizes of equipment you've a large and small like or multiples what what i mean the benefit is obviously a human doesn't have to go down range mm -hmm. where where does the limit of a robot stop and you need to send a human down so i would say you know 90 percent of the time robot goes down range and it is it's going down there as a camera a mobile camera yeah um, you know, we're basically trying to get intelligence on that on that item Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're looking at it in every angle we can, spending time looking at it, inspecting it. Um, now, they do have grippers on them, you know, manipulators, an arm, a claw, whatever people want to call it. Whereas if you do need to grab something and move it or um, put a cutter of some type, you know, in the claw, mm -hmm. try and cut something open or remove it, whatever. Uh, that's, that's something that we can do. It's not something we do often. Usually the tasking is get down there. Um, with a robot, get a good look at it, come up with a plan to do diagnostics, which typically is going to be x-raying first thing. Yeah. Um, and then you kind of go from there once you see the x-ray and decide what you're going to do. But we've also started using drones pretty heavily. Okay. Because, um, frankly, the cameras are far better than the robots are. Um, it's faster to get down range. Yeah. So it's not inhibited by whatever debris might be in the way or stone walls or whatever. Um, so, you know, like everything else has limitations. It's good yeah. for going down there and putting a camera down there, but even downdraft you have to worry about because they do put out quite a bit of air flowing down. Yeah, okay. But it's a cheap solution too. You know, it's more cost effective. Yeah, for sure. The only goal is to get a camera down there. It's way cheaper than a robot. The, the, um, the robots themselves, what kind of debris can they climb over? I mean, how versatile are they? They're, I mean, they're, they're surprisingly nimble. They, they can, uh, we just had a tactical operation the other night, which unfortunately had a fatality, but um, the ro robot went in the house, up the stairs to the second floor bedroom. Wow. Um, put the rifle away from the individual, 
you know, so, you know, that worked well, mm. but to get into the house, it was an older house, uh, for the United States, it was an older house. Um, and it had a, you know, exceedingly high, uh, step going into the front door. And, you know, it was, it's probably a foot or more. And, um, the robot may be able to get up that step, but we weren't quite sure if it would. And if yep. it doesn't, we don't want to tip over. So we actually had a couple of operators go up there with uh, ballistic shields and basically toss it in the front door. And then it could operate inside the house fine. Um, but on the other side of it, stupid things like clothing can disable a robot. Yeah. It's rolled up in the tracks and, and that's it. It's parked. By my memory as well, you've uh, some sort of ability to shoot a device from it, like a water. Yeah. Was that right? Yeah. Yeah, we do have, there are render safe tools that we that we have on there. We can remotely fire from the robot. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and just different type different types of projectiles we can use depending on the scenario. Um, I don't want to get into what those specifically sure. are, but um, so yeah, I mean, you know, if there's something where uh, the type of device doesn't necessarily offer a risk of it being a chemical agent or, you know, something that could contain something that we don't want to hurt. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a box of kittens. You know, yeah. we know whatever this thing is, is something bad and we just need to address it right now. Um, there could be possibility that we just, we don't have to send a person down at all yeah. um, before we disrupt it using the robot. Um, fire the tool at it, take the device apart before it can function. And then at that point, somebody will have to put on a bomb suit and go down and make sure it is all taken apart. Yeah, sure. Uh, very good. The if the, if the either a person or uh, the robot picks the object up, you've also got a method of transporting, right? We do. We do. Uh, we have a total containment vessel, mm -hmm. which some people might recognize. It. it looks like a big giant sphere um, on a truck or a trailer. Ours is on a trailer. Um, the one we we have is radiation shielded, uh, and it's also gas tight. So I think if we have a chemical or radiological device, we can seal it in that um, and do sampling remotely through it. I think it's worth saying you guys run an excellent Instagram account. And um, if anybody's interested in visuals of what Tom's describing here is look at the Instagram account they've got. Uh, just search Rhode Island Bomb Squad, I guess, is it? For yeah. Bomb, something like that. Yeah. And Bomb Squad. yeah. there's some fantastic uh, pictures up there. So they would really give you a give you an idea of what they're, they're, he's talking about. So sorry, yeah, this is a, a giant, about, sorry, go ahead. That's, that's, it's one thing we have on our team is, you know, everybody kind of, even, you know, they're all bomb techs and all that other stuff, but um, a lot of the skill sets that are really helpful is we have people that have kind of these side skill sets or side things that one of our guys who pretty much handles all of that uh, is a great photographer and uh, you know, that's one of his things. So yeah. you know, it works great for us because it makes us look better than we really are. <laughs> no, it looks, it's excellent. So sorry, before I interrupted you, you were describing you this large sphere that goes on a trailer um, mm. that you that opens up, right? And you can put yes. in a device into the sphere and close it down yes. on it and, and then drive it through an urban area or get it out yeah. to a range. Yeah, it, uh, it'll contain, um, a certain amount of explosives inside that if it detonates it would be everybody would still be safe um 
so you know the older type ways of transport it basically it was like a big armored bucket with an open top mm-hmm. um but you know rhode, especially in rhode island you know we're a primarily urban area and you don't want to be driving down a street with 10-story buildings on each side and then have you know a device go off inside of what's essentially a shotgun pointing straight up in the air yeah, yeah. um so uh you know it's a great option uh, we don't use it that often because we we try not to transport things you know yeah. if, if it's a device we want to get rid of it right where it is okay and, then, and not make it angry um but at times that we we have to do it then you know, we have the option of doing that yeah very good so talk to me about survivability or what you can of talk about that i mean how protected are you when you go down range what's you know i i assume from my my amateur physics of the smaller the space you're in the worse yeah. it gets is that so i mean yeah. How how much protection does the suit give you? People think you're invincible in them. It depends how much you believe the advertising. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, it, you know, one of one things about the suit is um, that there there's nothing on your hands. There's no protection for your hands. You need your hands to work. Okay. Uh, you can't have big armored mittens or something because you wouldn't be able to do anything. So you know, the suit primarily is going to protect you from uh, fragmentation. Um, mm-hmm. It's a hard armor plate all the way down the front. Plus the helmet, uh, there are hard armor plates on the front of your legs. But as far as um, overpressure and everything, the helmet gives you some protection from that. Um, the ear damage is protection from that. You know, but like with everything, every other piece of body armor, you know, it can be defeated. Yeah. Um, you know, the wrong wrong piece of frag in the wrong spot will still get you. Describe that overpressure to me. What what happens? I mean, that, that's protecting. It's the helmet protecting your, your head and entry, like your mouth and nose and stuff. Like, is that is yeah, it? Yeah, you feel pressure like a like a a wave in the ocean. Okay. Right. So, you know, the more surface area that you're presenting to that wave, the harder it is. Okay. You know, you take a, a bigger hit from it. Um. So you know you, you know, a perfect world. You, the explosives are small enough and you're far enough away that that wave is going to be fairly small and, and low energy. Yeah. And it's going to hit you and it's going to kind of go around you, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there have been incidents where you have a device, um, could be on a sidewalk next to the wall of a building. Yeah. And you don't want to be approaching it straight on because all of that energy is going to be getting directed straight out you know it's not going away spherically it's coming at you gotcha um which can amplify it you know magnitudes so it's you know even something small can be devastating yeah um so but again it's but it's the best protection that there is so you know it's what you got it's not perfect but it's what there is yeah and it's good equipment so that that makes sense so a wave a wave coming through the air that hits me uh, and effectively just pounds my insides is that i mean what what happens yeah well you know assuming your head stays on um <laughs> you know um organs are very susceptible mm-hmm. um you know to to overpressure you know your ears because there's air on both sides um eardrums get blown out lungs get damaged things like that yeah um you know you talk about the more solid organs like livers and things Things of that nature, um, basically, they just get smashed. A lot of bad things can happen, obviously, very quickly. 
Um, so, you know, time, distance, and shielding is what, what protects you. You know, the suit is some shielding, but uh, being near the thing for a short amount of time as possible and staying away from it as much as possible is really your best protection. Gotcha. So you, you described there at the start, uh, it's these incidents being rare, but highly specialized. So um, you don't get to frequently train by doing, as in you you have to go and exercise on these kind of specialist rarities. Uh, how do you do that? How do you set up good scenarios? I mean, my memory is you guys all, all challenge each other with problems and, you know, hmm. what, what, so how, how do you work as a group, as a group of peers, what do bomb techs do to, to train? Yeah, so um, we have minimum requirements um, to meet standards. We have, so for us, it's about eight hours a week um, to hit our minimums for all the different taskings we have, because being where we are, we have maritime responsibilities as well mm -hmm. as, you know, land side responsibilities. Yeah. Um, so, you know, during that, which is generally, you know, a full day each week, depending on what's going on, we could add some more or, or whatever. But, you know, different bomb techs will create a different scenario. They will, they're building the device themselves, um, which provides them training. Mm -hmm. Even if you're the one, you know what it is, but you still have to do all the electronics work and everything else to make up this device. Yes, you'll, make these, you'll make these mock devices up as well, the electronics yeah. of them, and understand the actual electronics of what's happening. Yeah, and, and they have small penalties in them, we call it. So if you know if you make a mistake or you set it off, um, you know you know you set it off. It, it's not gotcha. You know we'll know that you know there's, there's a small electric match in there or or whatever we use. Mm -hmm. um, so you know and we you know we can all kill each other in training if we want to. Mm -hmm. You know we can make a device that we can't defeat. Yeah, we all know that, and that's so we don't do that because it's pointless. Yeah. Um, but we'll we'll bring each other right up to that edge, though. Okay. You know, we'll we'll push everybody's abilities and, and um, you know, kind of make sure that people investigate all the different potential avenues for how you would defeat this thing, not just the avenue that we typically would use to do it. So you know, it, it's it's a good time. You know, we so should be enjoy it. How much of that training? I mean, is 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 that problem solved on a desk with the device? I mean, you're sitting down working on it. Or is this scenario based out in the field? It's ninety percent time is scenario based out in the field. Um, okay. You know, we may have to use rope access techniques mm -hmm. techniques to get to it. Um, you know, it may be on a boat. It, you know, it, it could be wherever. Because a lot of times, the hardest part of the problem is getting to it. Okay. It could be a confined space related problem. Um, so, you know, it's just problem solving. You know, that's what all of these are, is just problem solving. At the yeah. end of the day, you know, most devices are nothing but an electric lamp. In some way, shape, or form, some switch turns on and electricity flows to a filament and something glows bright. Maybe for a millisecond, maybe very loud, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, essentially that's what's going to come down to at the end. But we're just trying to keep that from happening. Very good. So like, what um, when you're doing big exercises then, it's obviously with – you're called in as part of a larger exercise, I assume. The, there's a state exercise or there's something happening, and you're brought in as a component of that. You must mm -hmm. play quite an exciting role in that because if you're there and part of it, you're you're right on the front line of it. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, there's certainly times that we are um, part of a protective detail. 
Yeah. You know, um, like routine operations, uh, we could be standing by at a large event. Yeah. You know, it's a large event where where they do our thing or there's a a visit from a dignitary or something. We're we're Mm -hmm. part of that package that takes care of that. Um, Yeah. But when you have something more dynamic, you know, again, we're, we're just there to do our, you know, our piece of that pie. Yeah. Um, you know, we, the instant commander has got a whole lot of things he's got to take care of, right? There's a lot of support functions that have to be dealt with. Yeah. We're just there to handle that one. We're trying to take that explosives component out of that, that big problem that yeah. maybe that's the only problem, but that could, if it was, let's say a chemical device that's triggered by explosives. Well, our mission is to get the explosive part of that out of there, mm-hmm. but then you still have a big hazmat issue that has to be dealt with. So. You know, we may be the focus of the operation for some part of it, but there's a lot more going on. Going on. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. I, I, I put a question to you before this we, we talked, which was what's going to revolutionize bomb disposal? And, you know, what I mean, the robots, you've talked about drones, but in 25 years away, where are we going? Are humans ever going to go in? You know, what, what's going to accomplish that? So the, there's a there's a pretty robust program going on right now. Um, NASA's a partner in it, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a it's a humanoid robot. Because um, one of the things, all our robots right now generally are are wheeled or tracked. Yeah. You know, can't step over something. Um, program they've been working on for a few years now, and I'm not I'm not fully versed in it, but uh, you know, it's a humanoid robot, which as in hands and. It's the you know, thing that stands up yeah. and walks around and everything else. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you could replicate human functions much easier mm-hmm. with that kind of a platform because it has hands. It doesn't have a single gripper on an arm with limited joints and everything. Yeah. Um, so I can see that becoming, you know, kind of the norm uh, as we progress, you know, a decade or two down the road. So you you sit in the back of your truck controlling this humanoid going down the uh, in your yeah. VR your virtual reality suite in the truck or here yeah, <laughs> yeah. dangerous driving down the street we could just sit here and do it work from home right yeah sure <laughs> good. so la- last kind of question line for me is what personality is a good personality type for a bomb tech what do you look for in them um you know we we want at least I, you know, we're actually starting a hiring process right now. But you know, one of the things is you want somebody who is not risk adverse, you know, that they're, you know, they're able to manage risk. Um, they're able to, to follow a program, work on a team. Um, the only reason why we have any success at all mm-hmm. on the team level, as a boss, the only reason why I have any success is because of the guys that work for me. Mm-hmm. If they weren't as committed as they are and they, they don't study as much as they do and train as hard as they do, you know, it, it would all fall apart. And, you know, on the larger picture, if we didn't have such good relationships with the FBI, the ATF, um, Drug Enforcement Administration, the Coast Guard, Secret Service, you know, these are all professionals that we draw from and that we help them, you know, and it goes back and forth. So you have to ha- be able to work cooperatively with all these other all these other people yeah um, and be part of a program and not an individual who is just trying to do their own thing um, you know occasionally see somebody we call them you know t-shirt collectors you know they want to 
you know, they want to have the cool t-shirt or whatever it is. And that's kind of all they have to offer. You know, they just, that was, that's all there was. Um, that doesn't do us any good. You know, I mean, you need a team player who, again, you know, is, is able to manage risk and make have good decision-making. Yeah, sure. You know, um, not unique to what we do. You know, a lot no, of, sure. you know, there's a lot of sectors that have that. Very good. Uh, what kind of incident still gets a bomb tech excited? So what's, what's the one when you get that tasking that you go, Oh, this is like, it's not just, you know, this again, what's the one that, that you really go, Oh, I'm going to that. <laughs> um, you know, on the, I, I guess on the more, on the tactical side of things, um, you know, when you actually have a human threat, that mm -hmm. is also part of the problem. Yeah. You know, you got, you got a, a more of a dynamic chess match going on. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but but you can have uh, an improvised explosive device that has, you know, I mean, who knows what attached to it or involving it. Yeah. Um, you know, or hostage rescue, which again, you know, this this is something that could happen, but you know, somebody with a device strapped to them. Yeah. Um, which not a bad guy, but you know, an actual hostage. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, there's the ultimate challenge. Because you know you're you know you're the surgeon, but if the patient dies, so do you, <laughs> right? Uh, so you know it is all it's all a bit of a chess game. Um, but I think the more challenging, the more um, the more bot techs like it. Yeah, yeah. You know, Problem solvers, still challenge. Problem solvers for sure. Sure. Tom, that's that's excellent. A really fascinating conversation. Um, Hugely appreciate you joining me today. I'm happy to do it, Robin. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Talk to you again soon. So that was excellent. Thank you so much to Tom for doing that. Um, absolutely fascinating stuff um, about how uh, Bomb Squad operate. Uh, amazing. So listen, Remember, do subscribe to the channel. You can see that subscribe button and hit it. Also subscribe to our Bravo Zulu podcast on whatever you get your podcasts on. You'll be able to find us. All right. Thanks very much, everyone.